Hi, welcome back to Edric Twin and Company, the podcast where anybody can inspire everybody. I'm Edric, and in company with me this week is Sharon Tong, the founder and CEO of The Media Consultants. Now, Sharon would probably be a familiar name to you if you've watched the news and quite a number of other things as well. Now, we're speaking with the experts this week and talking a little bit more about media training and how it's important, especially in this current landscape. So let's get this podcast started. Hey, hi, Sharon. Hi there, Edric. Thanks for having oh. me on. No problem, no problem. How are you? Uh, all good, all good. It's a good day. I'm hoping that it wouldn't rain because, you know, there are hints of thunder earlier. Yeah, yeah. The weather's been a little crazy. Huh? It's super, super hot. But uh, once it starts getting to the rains, all of a sudden it's extremely humid. So, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, good for laundry, it. but not so good for my skin. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, let's let's get straight to it, shall we? Now, Sharon, um, you've been in the business for a long, long time already. All right, but we'll get into that in a little bit. You have a current venture called the Media Consultants. So um, maybe you'd like to share a little bit more to, uh, with our listeners about what this company is all about. Sure. Thanks, Edric. Well, you know, we, we were very literal when we first thought about starting what we call the media consultants. Literally, you know, there's no pun involved. We're just saying it like it is. Well, it was actually born from a desire to help. Um, it's not just individuals, it's not just companies, but both uh, to help them communicate better. And uh, six years on it's been six years and we have not wavered from that original mission um it is if you visit our website it says uh, taking you from powerful message to polished delivery and that is also how i decided to assemble my team because i felt that no one can be great at everything i recognize that so each member of my team they have their individual strengths uh i have Quigo who has spent years as an editor uh, in the same organization as I was in MediaCorp, trawling through media pictures. So she's very strategic in her messaging. Okay, uh, she's also a, a you know ful been fulfilling her dream at being a writer. It sort of gels very nicely with what she does with the media consultants. So she's already published uh, books for youth and children. So she actually does a lot of traveling around uh, to to promote her books uh, currently, as well as uh, do the work that she does with us. Uh, I've got Jill Nabrona and Suzanne Jong. They're both mm. very household names uh, as news presenters. So their forte is really public speaking, presentation skills, that sort of thing. Suzanne is actually so admired for her poise and her grace when she speaks. Uh, so that's really what she's very, very good at. Uh, Jill, she's got the added advantage of being on the other side of the fence, sometimes we call it the dark side. Uh, she handled communications and media for companies. And um, obviously, the, the people that I've talked about, including myself, uh, where we lack in is the ability to speak Mandarin well. And that is where Chai comes in. You know, she worked with Channel 8 and we recognize that need because in Asia, you cannot rely on just communicating in one language. It's such a diverse region. So we've been very fortunate to count, um, you know, government agencies, private companies among the people that we've worked with, uh, very diverse industries, healthcare, pharma companies, um, higher education institutions, tech companies. Uh, what we do is we give them a lot of tips 
on how to create uh, powerful and impactful messages, uh, how to be heard, uh, how to be remembered, very important. And for those who are actually front-facing spokespersons, we uh, have been putting them through the paces and guiding them on delivering their messages uh, in a way that shows sincerity, honesty, confidence, etc., etc. Um, and also, besides just doing that messaging and all that, uh, it's not always good times that you need the media to help you share your story with others. So when things go wrong with a company, uh, the last thing you want is publicity or a journalist at your door. But we're trying to educate them and change their mindsets a little bit and show them that um, in times like this, sometimes a journalist can be actually very helpful. So many of them think it's just a matter of saying a few words and then, you know, that's it. Uh, but it's a lot more than that, and that's where we, we come in. We want to uh, show them that in a crisis, you can actually turn things around, um, and th the best form of communication will then help your company come out of uh, you know, the, uh, the crisis itself. So I'm very blessed to have the best communicators in the business working with me. Yeah, you've, you've really got the powerhouse of names. Uh, and at the same time, the, you were also mentioning earlier on, you know, the last time we spoke, you were saying that you've got a, basically a century of experience under that roof right now. <laughs> so embarrassing. I mean, it's like, it just tells you how, <laughs> just, just how old we are. I mean, it's awful. But yes, uh, when we um, started this, the spirit of why we started this was for several reasons. Um, first of all, when we sat down, we thought about it and we said, hey, did you know that among the few of us, we actually have about a century, a hundred years of um, experience. I myself spent uh, 20 years as a TV news journalist and presenter. So bottom line is with all that experience, at the same time, we all have families. We have children and the news business, which we were all in, uh, isn't exactly kind to those with kids to raise. Uh, the long hours, the weekends that we had to work, the nights, the early mornings. Now, if we gave it all up, the point I was trying to make is imagine how many years we are of experience would actually just go down the drain. So at that time, my brainwave was really that we don't really need to give it up. Um, so I created the media consultants with that in mind. I mean, gig economy, right? Flexi work arrangements and all that. It allowed us to be great moms, wives, and, and do what we love. Uh, and at the same time, um, you know, put ourselves in our work passionately, heart and soul, knowing that our families are also taken care of. So the media consultants, what we did was we archived that experience that we had. And then we re repackage it in a way to help those who have to sit on the opposite side, uh, opposite end of, uh, from a journalist. The practical element of what we do is very strong uh, throughout each session. We're constantly changing our hats. We're trainers, we're journalists, and we swap. You know what I mean? So because of that, we work in twos. I don't think it's truly possible to um, be a journalist and at the same time be a trainer. You know, mm. it, it, it's quite different. So that's why we work in twos. When uh, I wear my trainer hat, my partner wears the journalist hat, and then we swap, you know? Um, we have a lot of fun with that. You know, the people do get annoyed with us when we challenge them during training. We push them to be better. Uh, but at the end of the day, it really does give us a huge sense of satisfaction uh, uh, because they will say uh, thank you for pushing us. Even though they were very annoyed at the beginning, uh, thank you for pushing us. This has been very useful. <laughs> 
Right, it forces them. Uh, basically, uh, is it right to say that uh, number one, you mentioned before to, I mean, this was off the air, that number one, the company is not a PR company, right? Your yeah. focus is really about getting them ready for things like interviews, very uh, camera facing work, and also how to deal with the press. But it's not the crisis management or PR agency or branding agency of any sorts. Mm -hmm. So there is, a, I mean, you were mentioning a very good point about now you have to keep switching hats. And it's interesting because on the one hand, you got to ask tough questions and you have to see how they react to it. And then you have to put on the trainer hat to go, hey, look, this is this is where it could be done better. Is, is that how it works? Yes, absolutely. It it's exactly how it works. We teach and then we make them do. And then, mm -hmm. you know, while we're doing this with them, we sit down with them, we then put on our journalist hat, right? right. And in the journalist hat, we push them, we challenge them, we throw them tough questions, and then they struggle, struggle, struggle. And then after that happens, right, while I'm doing that, my partner is sitting down taking notes. So after mm -hmm. that happens, we play back what they've just uh, done so we work with cameramen quite a bit we play it back and then they see for themselves and they'll go oh my goodness did i just say that or oh my goodness uh how else could i have done that or how else mm -hmm. could i have rephrased what i did and uh, did i come across confident um you know and also the non-verbal part of it uh oh my gosh what am i doing with my hands uh mm -hmm. you know some of them do that uh you know also them you know they, they hug themselves because they're nervous or, or, or they they rock their body because they're nervous from side to side so they don't realize they're doing that so when they play it back they go oh yeah you're right uh, or i keep saying um 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 you know that sort of thing how do i change that so so that interchangeability of what we do uh, has to come in so it's on and off on and off yeah uh, right. that, that's exactly why i i feel the best for the people that we train is really have two people there because if I were a journalist and I'm pushing them a certain way there are certain things that I'll miss and I didn't I miss the guy doing something that he should not have mm. done then my partner catches that right 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 and it's nice that you can catch everything on camera as well so it's a play black, yeah. uh, playback you get to see everything and it's nice you have the verbal and the non-verbal cues that, that kind of come in and though and it's if you go deeper into the psychology of it I'm sure that you can also start to help to identify things like triggers and um, maybe even certain anchors that where they go. I, I love the fact that um, there was some, somewhere that I watched or I read somewhere that when uh, you start getting nervous, especially in front of camera or in front of uh, a live audience, for example, you don't know when to speak or you lost your place. You got to take a step back and not literally take a step back, but always remember before you have even started, find that reset point on, in, on the stage or wherever it is that you're looking at that you can mm -hmm. always see. And then when you go back to that, you're like, okay, this is where I need to go. Then yeah. I can reset Actually, and I can start um, again. You know, not knowing what to say or in all that, it's one way, but many people react differently to their nerves being mm. on camera. Some of them don't know when to stop. And, yep. you know, sometimes when you're dealing with the media, that can be very dangerous because you might inevitably accidentally say something that you shouldn't be saying, right? Because mm. they don't know when to stop. And there are actually journalists who, who really just let you go on, all right? Mm. You, 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 we know as journalists that, okay, you're done with your message, but we then keep quiet and we just look at you. And some people will go, oh, she's still looking at me she is expecting more so they start again and they go oh well let me add on to that and then they go on and that's where some of our, the best news come from actually so now that we have to be the trainer hat sometimes we have to tell them you know that's something that some people do that some journalists do so this is how you have to deal with it 
Right. Now, this this actually brings me to my next question, really. Like, what's your typical day? I mean, when you look back, right, as a journalist, what was a typical day like now and uh, back then? And if you were to compare that to what you are doing right now, what are the real main differences that you're seeing in terms of not just the lifestyle and the hours, but in terms of the mentality right now? How has that changed yeah. for you? Okay. Well, in terms of lifestyle and hours, uh, um, one of, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, we, we were journalists and we had very long hours. You know, I had a little uh, boy at that time. He was uh, in preschool. Uh, I, I used to uh, read the uh, night news. So I would head into the office about one o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but he was in school in the morning, so I didn't get to see him. Um, by the time he got back, I had to leave for work. By the time um, I got home from work, he would be asleep. You know, So it, it was literally Monday to Friday. I, I didn't get to see um, uh, my child as well. And so that was the kind of life we had. But the point here is that everyone thinks that um, uh, you work very short hours as a news presenter. Mm. Uh, it's just... Do your makeup, sit down, and just read off the teleprompter. And you know, for years, my dad, I think he was joking. I hope he was joking. He thought I worked just half an hour a day because that was when he saw me working, the half-hour news bulletin. I'll be reading the 9.30 or 10 o'clock news, and then he would call me at 3 in the afternoon and say, where are you? And i said, say, I'm at work. And he would go, so early? But your news is only on at 10 o'clock, right? You know, but... That's the thing. So there is actually a lot more that goes into it, mm. you know. Um, but today, uh, I, the, I run a company. Uh, I have a team, and you know, this, this exact teamwork uh, is what I was replicating from what I used to have uh, when I was a journalist. Um, and there's a lot of synergy. So we cover for each other, uh, you know. So it's more manageable that way. Um, I'm able to control my time. Uh, I work from home a lot. So uh, I learned to, what I learned to do is I learned not to have a, a slow start to whatever I do um, because I have to find pockets of time uh, to work, to answer emails, that sort of thing. And as a business owner, if you're not careful, uh, the pockets of time can extend, 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 and you find yourself working 24-7. You find yourself working on weekends, you know, answering emails on weekends, preparing um, you know, documents and proposals on weekends as well. So you have to be very focused about when you work, you work. And when you don't, you make sure you completely set it aside. Uh, and so I have to be zero to 100 very quickly because let's say I have half an hour, I can't, you know, make my coffee, sit down, you know, I have to have all my things in a row, ducks in a row, and then I sit down. By that time, half an hour is gone. So mm. I learned to really cherish the half an hour. Okay, I have half, of, half an hour of work to do. I sit down and I'm like zero to 100 instantly and I'm just working. And that when the half an hour is done, I have to go get, you know, let's say family things done. Uh, I can do it. You know, right. So and, and when you started out the company, right, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big jump, right, from journalism all the way down to now starting the company. Like, there must have been so much, uh, so many questions that you had asked yourself. I mean, what were the first few that you had actually like, asked yourself? When, when I tried a few things, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I think I can really do that. But the problem is I didn't question enough. I didn't understand the landscape. I didn't understand the PNL. I didn't understand the supply chain. What were the questions that you had asked yourself? And you go, oh, shit, this might be a bit, <laughs> bit more difficult than I thought it might be. Yeah. Well, I think I was very fortunate uh, in that sense, you know, yes, I spent 20 years as a TV news journalist and presenter and being a business owner is 
very, very different. But uh, I had the benefit of my husband, who is actually the one who set me thinking. He himself, he's an entrepreneur, angel investor. From day one, he's always worked for himself. And the one thing he said to me that, you know, I guess no one, whether in the industry or out, ever said to me was, you have skills. Don't throw away the skills that you have amassed over the 20 years. So do something with it. So I did. Um, yeah, so it was fortunate that, that the business that I chose to do is very related to what uh, I used to do. So I, I did something with the skills that we had, you know, and in the process of speaking to friends about it when I was, you know, still in the thinking process, namely my team, Hui, Suzanne, Jill, um, you know, Chaying, I realized that, you know, we have that combined experience uh, and they all in some way or, or, or form, um, gave up the work as journalist because they had the kids, right? Um, and I sat back and I thought, hey, brainwave, right? You know, uh, why should we have to give it up? Uh, we, we shouldn't have to give it up, you know? Um, so I spoke to them and they were all two seconds and they went, yes, exactly. This is really what we want to do. We're still able to be with our families but at the same time we take the work that we want to take the work that interests us um and uh you know we we, we can juggle that and, and and this is the the skills that we have uh and we're just putting it into practice uh when it comes to balancing the the, the pnls and all that again i was very fortunate to uh, have uh, somebody who in the family who's already done the business who's already gone through the all that experience so you know he's like my business partner who will manage all all, all that and and help me uh, teach me all that so in the last six years i've learned all that uh and and i've got some office admin people that help me with you know the billing the invoicing the pnl you know the having to the file the taxes at the end of the day i've got people to do that so i'm very fortunate so that i can really focus on the actual business the things that i am good at so you didn't even have to flip a book. You didn't even have to go to the library and pick up a book on oh, how to start a business, you know, in uh, <laughs> No, I just had to sit at the dinner table. I just had to cook him a meal and say, okay, teach me. What do I do? You know, so that was it. I mean, also, it's a very natural progression. Uh, we're mm. all journalists, right? The natural progression was to move into preparing spokespeople to meet people like us. So what we do is just share the experience, share the trade secrets, uh, help them understand what goes into our heads when we interview someone. Um, and, you know, so we started, that, that was the easiest, the, the low-hanging fruit. We decided to go with that because uh, that was what we were good at. But I guess in a way, over the few years, we have evolved. Um, it's, you know, what we were doing was really media communication. Uh, it's just one vertical in the whole communication stratosphere. Um, mm. And... You know, we've moved that into the, the bigger aim of helping everyone develop mastery in both the written and the spoken word, whatever the context, whatever the communication platform. So by setting all this up, and I, I love the fact that, you know, you all took it so progressively and it's nice to have somebody that you can cook a meal for and th th there'll always be that sage <laughs> advice, you know, at home yep. uh, rather than staring out the sky and, and hoping that the universe will serve one day right yeah <laughs> you've yeah. got that in your back pocket <laughs> so that's great right and um now let's get to the meat of this this whole discussion okay uh, really about media training in itself uh why is it important um 
there have now, I mean, with COVID, with, with the whole COVID thing, a lot of people are working from home and still a lot of people are also still now returning to the office, but video conferencing still remains as probably the top uh, form or means of communications at this point in time for anybody outside of the country. So that being said, um, I really do think that having the basics is one, it's very, very important. And that's the reason why I reached out to you that we could share this information with our listeners and probably look into some of the ways that number one, where are the areas of discomfort to, to of course, must identify the problems first before we can also identify and be aware of the solution. So what are the main problems that you actually hear from or see, you know, during your training sessions with even the top tier guys? Mm. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for that question. But first of all, I think media training means so many different things to so many different people. Uh, media training in the most generic context is to train someone to communicate through the media. And traditionally, mm. it was to train someone to speak to a journalist or a group of journalists uh, asking them questions. Uh, it still does, uh, but we should not and cannot limit it to that alone. Uh, mm. You mentioned uh, COVID and you know ha having, having to go digital. You know, of course, with the internet, social media, there are now so many platforms on which you can share your message. Um, so yes, it is how you feel the questions from the journalists, but social media has also turned the idea of media on its head. When I first became a journalist, um, we had firm lines uh, where uh, you want to know what is the news of the day, you turn on the radio or the television, you listen or you watch the news the next day, you read about it in the newspapers, uh, which may provide a little bit more detail. Uh, the news timeline has also shortened considerably. Uh, today, if you hold a news conference, even before it's over, the headlines are out as tweets or uh, a picture on Instagram with a caption goes out. Uh, at the same time, uh, today, you don't have to wait till a journalist reports it to hear about it. Many news stories you see in, uh, in the mainstream media actually originate from social media. Social media has actually turned journalists into a little bit like stalkers. Um, we trawl social media pages uh, when we see things going viral and it interests people it then becomes mainstream news, you know? So uh, it's now a two-way street. Um, let me give you a few, ex a few examples. Uh, years back, um, uh, the whole Simlim Square saga, you know, the one where uh, uh, a Vietnamese man had to beg f to get his money yes. back for an iPhone that he bought, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a, a story that started off as a social media post, right? And it went viral, and of course, the mainstream media picked it up, and, and you know, then it took a life of its own. Uh, another one, the National Library Board had to handle a case of lesbian penguins in one of their children's books. Mm. Uh, that too started off as a social media post uh, that went viral. Uh, so what does that mean to, um, is that you cannot, you cannot limit to uh, the, the internet, social media. There are so many um, platforms that you can share your message, right? Uh, you don't have to be waiting for a journalist to be interested in you and call you up and say, hey, I, I want to do an interview with you or make an appointment with you and do a formal. You don't have to wait for that. You just do your own social media post. You still get your message out on your own terms and you're in control of the message from start to finish. That is also what we train people for. That is also media training today because mm. it's just a different form of media, right? You communicate through news, new, uh, new and different platforms. And yes, COVID-19 has meant uh, even Zoom calls have become part of this whole suite of skills. You want to engage through a digital medium and you want to look professional. There are many things to consider. Uh, 
from the technical aspects of where you place your laptop, which height you put it at, what kind of light is present. I think we talked about that before we started. How to make use of the light. You have to think about what's in your background and uh, you think about also the non-verbal communication, how you sit, do you stand, your posture, what you do with your hands, how handsy should you be, where do you look, what facial expression you have. There's so many things to think about. And for me, what's very important is the kind of energy you have. And I don't mean your, your chi, you know, that sort of energy. Hmm. Um, if you communicate with someone through a camera, whether it is a full-on TV camera or it's a, simply a, a laptop camera, um, it's still a camera. And a camera is what we call a cool medium. Uh, what this does, it, it sucks the energy out of you. So when you speak through a camera, you have to really up your energy level at least 30%. You cannot just speak as you would to uh, a person that's sitting in front of you because you would sound kind of lifeless, uh, yep. not passionate about your subject, you know. So you, you have to have those things in mind as well. So, the, you know, there are a lot of things that people have to think about nowadays, uh, whether or not it's a simple virtual meeting. And uh, for me, I, I really wish one day someone somewhere should uh, start to set up some uh, guidelines on Zoom meetings, uh, uh, you know, etiquette. You know, having your camera on or having your camera off, that sort of thing. Uh, I think those things really need to be considered in today's context. Yeah, everybody needs a cat filter. That's what they need. Did you see that one <laughs> about the judge? Uh, the judge and the lawyer no. in the US? No. Okay, I'll send you a link. Basically, what happened was that uh, it was a Zoom meeting uh, between a court judge and one of the lawyers. Uh, the, the, the lawyer had a cat filter on. So basically, everybody who was in the meeting could see a cat talking instead of the actual oh lawyer and the, so okay. so the, you know it was, it's quite hilarious so uh, the, the court judge actually has to say i i think you have a filter on and uh, the, the 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 um the lawyer is just going i i, I don't know how to switch it off i think oh, my, no. my kid is switched it on i don't know how to switch it off so okay. basically he just had the whole That's meeting hilarious. On. It's like, it was hilarious it's hilarious <laughs> so little things like this if okay to, to some extent like in a corporate setting right um for internal meetings, I think it's part of the interactivity. I do think that it's important to sometimes um, bring levity to certain situations, right? Uh, board meetings, uh, yes, they can be serious as hell, but team meetings, why not? You know, bring uh, bring up your avatar every Friday or something like that. Something mm. little little things like this can we can leverage on the um, the, mm. the the technology, right? To yes. bring bring a new experience all that um yes. but again back back to the topic i digress <laughs> back to the point um uh, exactly what you had mentioned the amount of energy that you need in front of screen uh it's very different uh just to share my personal experience is that i i had never put my face on camera ever right uh, i barely take pictures i rarely ever uh do videos and in fact i never put videos up until i started doing this podcast um yeah because like they say they, I, I have the face for radio right so they say but, uh, the, they? The, no i don't agree yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you uh so so i learned uh how to use the mic instead you know doing vo work a little bit doing narration doing voice uh, just a little bit of voice acting from voice time overs. to time okay and then yeah so starting out at the beginning um I, I started out reading, right? And it, it, whenever I did the playback, it's terribly uncomfortable. You know, the first time you hear your own voice, I was like, uh, this is not good. Not, not just because it wasn't read well, but hearing your own voice is so different, you know, from, from the speakers or the headphones as compared to what you actually hear coming from your own mouth. 
and you listen and you hear the little things, the clicks, the pops, the um, whether your tongue gets sticky at the bottom of your of, of your lower jaw. Um, uh, well, just just a little anecdote. I was actually the oldest contestant for um, Nine Eight Seven Radio Star. This was in the two thousand and oh goodness, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, thereabout. I was the oldest okay. one there. Went for the audition, uh, first round. So uh, the muttons were the ones who were the judges at the time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, so that still was around. Me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that was Justin and uh, Justin Ang and uh, Vernon A. Uh, I got one pass and the other one uh, didn't didn't go. But I got sage advice from two of them who were extremely, extremely, extremely experienced, of course. As you know, they've been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them told me that, Edric, you have an issue with the bottom of your tongue. It gets sticky and all that. Drink green apple juice. It helps to remove the saliva or reduce the amount of saliva that's being produced. I'm like, mm. what? That works? Okay, that's new. Uh, the next thing was you you're reading it as you when, when you read you're on the mic you sound more like an announcer than you do uh, as a person so in radio you need to have that personality come through yeah. anyway so this leads into the point that being on camera now and and addressing the media i mean what's your take on this that do you really have to put on a persona or i mean professional front is one thing but do you really have to have so-called that persona or is it better to come across as that person? Because if you compare it, right, look at Western media. Western media, uh, the, the people that, or at least the uh, top C-level guys, right, who are very relatable, or we feel that is relatable, are people who are cult personalities to some extent, right? You've got, of course, your Richard Branson's, you've got your uh, Elon Musk's. Elon Musk always seems to be the top guy that everybody wants to talk to right now. Right, but he's so laid back. He yes. just speaks his mind, right? And of course, you've got the very, very energetic people like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So he's yeah. super energetic <clears throat> in the media side of things. But at the end of the day, when you look at the West, uh, the maybe the Asian side of things, we tend to be a little bit more reserved. We have to maintain certain maybe Asian values and play to that. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Where should we go? Yeah. Uh, I have a funny take on that. I mean, most people uh, need to know themselves. Um, and before the camera turns on, they're talking. They're like, oh, you know, this, 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 that. And then they're so animated. And the minute the camera comes up, they're like, I think <laughs> I am the, the you know. You know, they, they just talk like robots after that because the camera's on. And so, you know, and, and so many people do that. that. That little red light that's on a camera just bothers the heck out of them because they're looking at it going, oh no, I have to now look very serious, look like I have gravitas and that I know what I'm talking about and that I have to be very knowledgeable. So, you know, it, that little red light really um, freaks people out and they, and they feel that they have to put on a certain brand, you know. Um, so to answer your question, I would say, I believe it depends on, first of all, the situation. Uh, the context of which you are doing uh, being on camera. Uh, if it's just a, a virtual presentation, uh, I feel that you can really be yourself. Um, uh, we, what we do is really actually uh, do a lot of branding as well for people. Uh, I believe that um, communication isn't just about speaking to the media. And that's why we're also trying to move our, our business into 
that it, it, media communication is just one form. Uh, we know there are people out there, the salespeople out there, startup founders, possibly even job seekers. Uh, speaking to the media is not the, on their to-do list. Uh, their focus is on their presentations, on being persuasive, whether it is to get someone to buy their product or service, whether it is to convince a, a venture capitalist company to invest mm. money in them or simply just to get hired. It's really all one big pitch, isn't it? Yeah. So we're really trying to move into this space uh, as well, where not only do we help you with creating a message that makes people sit up, take notice, we want to help you understand your brand. And I'm not talking about corporate brand only, but personal, personal brand. brand. There is too much you know, focus on the product, the product, the product. This is what it can do. Sometimes they forget. They're also selling themselves. How do mm. you come across sincere, honest, you know, um, uh, trustworthy, confident, knowledgeable, determined, uh, all at once? It's all part of the package. You right. get in through the door because you have a great product, but you seal the deal because you have a fantastic brand. And that really comes down to communication, how you communicate. Mm -hmm. So really, it depends on the context. Uh, what is the brand, first of all, that you want people to um, to, to, to have of you? Um, and, you know, it, I, I, I like, I love the show Shark Tank. You know, I love it because it's, it's about people... Um, going up in front of these um, investors and selling their product. And the ones, and I love the stories where the people who get the sharks to invest in them is not because they have a fantastic product, but because the sharks are putting their money in them as the founders, as the people. And, and that's what we believe communication is all about. It's not just let me tell you why the product is good. It's let me tell you why I am going to make the product great. So, uh, like I said, communication is a lot wider uh, and you have to think of context. You have to think about who it is you're talking to. You have to think mm. about the medium through which you are, yeah. you are communicating as well and the tools that you have to play with when you're communicating as well. So, the, it, it's, there's really no hard answer, a fixed mm. answer to that question. It, it really is depending on context, audience and so much more. Right. And do you also think that social media has also really changed the landscape of that? Because um, the thing is, when you look at it back then, when main media channels were purely on mainstream media, TV, radio, newspapers, um, the, the, you didn't really have to sell yourself that much because your company would already have a certain PR and branding pitch and whatever. But as, a, as, as an individual, it doesn't really come through. But over time, because of social media, now people get a little bit more involved in your personal life, looking a little deeper into who you are, what you can do, and just the amount of information that you can search for. It's a lot, it's a lot more um, important to establish that personal brand now than it was before. Mm, absolutely. Um, personal brand is very, very important. So uh, we bring that in. Um, and I, I believe, I'm not sure that whether there are anybody else out there who brings that in in our training. Uh, we always start with that. We always, because people don't spend enough time thinking, what is, what is, it, what is the brand that I want people mm. to think about? Uh, if you are coming to us as a corporate, uh, as a, a business, a, a company, we also make you think about your corporate brand as well. And again, uh, the funny thing is uh, they leave the branding to the comms people. Uh, so the comms people might know what is their brand, what is their position, but the actual spokespeople don't, don't know. 
you know so we actually do very quick and dirty branding exercises just to make them at least come up with certain adjectives that they would associate uh, they will associate with their brand and after that we leave that up in the room because during the creation of your message if you want that brand to come out then you need to use the the words if you think deeply about the words that you're using and what it means um, then you've got to pepper it in your message so that's why we start with that so whether it's media training uh, training someone to be uh, to, to speak to a journalist uh, training someone to go on camera when they create that message first of all before you start and you launch your PowerPoint like you've got to sit down and think uh, what is it as the people that I, I, I speak to, as they leave the room, as they turn off the cameras, what do I want them to think about me or about my company or about what I just said or about my product? What is it that they want, you want them to think? So that, that homework really needs to be done before you even start creating the messages, start uh, communicating. You know, it's very important. Right. Uh, when, I remember back in the day, right, when we were studying a little bit more about communications and um, one thing that came across, right, was about um, communication theory is very, very simple, right? Um, it's just from one point to another, you know, the sender to the receiver. And of course, you try and uh, whatever that you hear is noise in between and that kind of it destroys the message, right? Or makes it different. So um, essentially what we need to know is to make sure that the intended outcome of our message is very, very clear. Do you also dwell into or, del or delve into things like language patterns and um, I mean, in terms of the messaging and all that? Does th is that useful? Um, language patterns. Uh, I think it's about the language that you use. I don't know about the patterns, but more about... Uh, how do you phrase certain things? What are the nuances of this word versus the other word that you would use? Right. Uh, that's some of the things that we actually do. Um, but I, I'm not very sure what you mean by language patterns. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much like what you're saying, actually. Uh, like, say, uh, long ago, right, we used to say the word but all the time, the word but. You know, it's Did like, we? hey, I really, I really like your, your dress, but. Okay, you know, something, but. Something, something else. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, by saying that, it, some the, the word "but" tends to uh, make everybody feel very irked, right? There's a defense mechanism to break through that. Uh, we were taught to use the words at the same time mm, instead of using okay. the word "but." So, okay. so little things like these actually help to ease that tension through. And uh, this is these these were the little things in in language patterns that we were we were learning along the time. Mm. I mean, this was, of mm. course, because of uh, things like NLP and all this, you know, neuro-linguistic programming that uh, you kind of study. Um, but that, that's the fun part of it, I think, understanding mm. how to communicate and mm. learning, you know, um, the differences in how you use the presuppositions, what, mm. I mean, it gets technical, right? But it, it once does. you get through that, it's you interesting. Know, one of the, let me explain to you what one of the things that we do. We, we actually divide a board into two. Uh, mm. And then... On one side, we make people think, okay, if let's say you went and met somebody today and said, hi, I'm so-and-so from this company, right? Uh, what are some of the adjectives that will pop into their heads? Good and bad. And we'll list them down, okay? So the good ones, let's say you are a global company, you are a, a world leader, you are... Um, you are dynamic, innovative. So those are good words that you still want associated with yourself or your company, right? Bring them over, okay? But then let's look at the negative ones. If let's say somebody says to you, yo, you're 
you know, people say there are some negative perceptions out there. You're expensive, right? Okay, let's look at the word expensive. Um, mm. How would you change it? How would you change that perception? Some people will say, let's use prudent instead. We are very prudent in our, you know, in our decisions to buy certain assets for our organization. Yeah, of course, these assets happen to cost $100 million. But you can't say, yes, we're expensive, but because that word expensive still gets into people's heads. So it's a little bit psychological. What we're trying mm. to tell them is you need to find a way to change perceptions and change yeah. negative perceptions. Reframe the whole thing. How you Exactly, how you frame your message. Avoiding the so-called negative words in your message and finding new words uh, to reposition, to really spin uh, a different, put a different spin on the perception right. that people have of you or your company. Right, and and that takes time, you know, changing someone's vernacular like that. Uh, mm. be, uh, th there's also one thing that I would like to ask you, right? In your training sessions, um, they I love this whole thing that you have on the two sides, the the the, the good and the not so good, right? At the same time, do you also feel? Uh, do you also look into um, how you feel or how the person feels about the message? For example, when somebody says it, you know, uh, do you feel like, oh, this guy sounds snarky or this person? Uh, comes across as insincere that you can say that mm -hmm. I'm a I'm from a global company, but you kind of like ah man, this guy doesn't mm -hmm. believe anything he's saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you also have that feedback that. too? We mm. absolutely have that. So uh, after they've done it, and I'll stop and I'll look at them and I go, you are you saying it or are you hoping that people will say that about you? You know, um, uh, you come across uh, a little bit like patting yourself on the back. You know, mm -hmm. we would say certain things. So how yes, would you I mean, rephrase what you have to do? Yeah. <laughs> how would you rephrase that? Still leave people with that exact perception uh, that you want them to have, but yet not come across looking like, oh, good job, good job. We, that's, we are very good, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yes, we absolutely do that as well. So and, and of course, it's also not just the words that you use. It's how you say it. You say it like, oh, we're very good. Or, you know, you know, we're very, very blessed to have um, many people who, you know, believe that or whatever. So it's how you say your message as well mm. as the, the words that you're using the message. So it's really the complete thing. Right. And we, so, we, we don't hold back. Mm. <laughs> we really don't hold back. So well, 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 I think I people think tend to uh, mm. be quite appreciative of the fact that we are quite frank. Uh, if, if, you know, we say it like it is, uh, we tell you, um, you know, that really is not the way you should do it. Let me give you an alternative and see if you can try it on for size and see if that makes you comfortable. Yeah, I mean, that it does suck, right, to, to get that in your face. Like, for example, mm. I've been doing a pitch for a long time and uh, I, I feel that it's good. But when I do it for somebody else and this person's like, no, nah, I'm not convinced. You know, I'm like, oh, man, this is tough. What do I need to do to change that? So in your line of work, was there were there any times that you had to like almost break somebody down because of that, like this this belief um, and it had to be completely changed? No, I mean we we don't break people down really. I, I we don't believe in doing that, uh, but we believe in frank and honest opinions. Mm. Uh, so we don't we don't do it by saying you suck, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. We would say, uh, okay, uh, how do you think you, you need improvement? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all about the the, the language, right? Yeah. Um, we would say, look, uh, I, I believe you come across a little arrogant there. How do you think you could possibly change that? And then when we play it back, they're like, yeah, 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 you know, I think, you know, how, how should I do it? And then 
then we, you know, and, and it's very, it's a two-way street because sometimes we have a group of people in the room and then uh, the, the people are making suggestions for each other and it's a very dynamic, organic thing. And right then we, you know, and because I guess we come with that experience, we will have a store of words that we can throw out for them to say, how about this or how about that? You know, would you feel comfortable with that? And then when they do it again the second time and we record them the second time and they try it on and then they play it back and they go, yeah, that's much better, much better. You know, mm. so no, we don't, I wouldn't say we have to break it down, wipe the slate clean and then build out from scratch. Right. We, we uh, have to be, I mean, of course, we, we're frank and honest. We, we tell you that it doesn't work uh, and we tell you the reason why it doesn't work. Uh, and then uh, we make suggestions um, right. for how they can do it better. No, I, I love the dynamics that go on in the room. At the same time, I am very curious about what are your rules that you set to, to have successful facilitation? Because what you're doing is very difficult. You're basically, you know, taking somebody's words and using it against them to some extent. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not sure whether that's phrased correctly, but it really does. It's a mirror, right? You're holding a mirror to somebody. So what are the rules that you need to set to make sure that they know that what they're getting themselves into and they have to understand what they uh, are to expect? You mean uh, during the, the during the session, what yeah, they're getting yeah, themselves yeah, yeah. into, and what even they start the session, yeah. We we do set a lot of context at the beginning, uh, and sometimes we've had um, situations where the comms people would tell us, "Hey, uh, this bunch of people that you're about to train, they they don't believe they need training, right?" Oh. So so it's very useful when we work very closely with communications uh, teams within companies for them to tell us this is what to expect, so that. Each and every session is not is not the same. We don't, you know, just transfer exactly what we we do for one company to the next. We listen and we figure out how best to approach it. So what we do is we hear something like that. We spend a, a, a good amount of time at the beginning getting their buy-in first of all, yeah. And if all else fails, we we do a very hot start, right? Which means okay, let's do a media interview. I'm from such and such a news organization. You are who you are, and this is the context. All right, camera on, sit down, and we really make it extremely tough for them. It will be a very, very tough interview. We challenge them. We come in. We put words in their mouths. We, uh, we frame things very negatively. Sometimes we even bordering on the antagonistic just to push them a little and see. Mm. And then at the end of it, they go, wow, that was tough. Oh, I better learn. I better sit down and you know, really figure out how to handle it because I don't want a, a real situation like that to happen. So... You know, so we, we have to come at it uh, in different ways, depending on the people that we're, we're actually training and the mindsets that they bring with them into training. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that because now you get to play the hero and the villain at the same time. So <laughs> it's, it's nice. It, it really is nice. You know, um, and because I'm in sales, so um, whether or not there's an agenda or not, but I would like to get freebies. I love freebies. Um, is there any chance that you could give us maybe like three key camera tricks for today's professionals i mean we're all on 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 this right now so yeah what what can we do to to improve our meetings and basically get the attention well mm. uh, i think one of the things i mentioned earlier was the energy and i mm. think that's very important hence i will include that in as one of the uh top tips for being on camera uh cool medium hence you need really 
pump up that energy. You really need to use your hands if you have to. If you're a handsy sort of person like I tend to be, then uh, you tend to have to control it a little bit uh, by locking your shoulder and just using your hands from the elbow uh, down <laughs> to, to your hands. So, you know, use your hands because it does help with your energy. And it's not just uh, your body, it is also the voice. Uh, you must have a variation of your voice. Everybody has range. You either limit your range to that or you can extend your range wider so you can go up high you can come up come down low you chop and change you sometimes speed up you sometimes slow down you sometimes increase your volume sometimes lower your volume and sometimes you pause because that is the best way of getting attention you just stop for a minute right and then oh not a minute you stop for a couple of seconds and then you start because you know you, if you're thinking about somebody in a presentation they, they drone on and on and suddenly you stop right People were like, oh, what happened? Is it done? Or something like that. So you, that's one reset button that pulls people back into the conversation a little bit. Okay, so cool medium, up your energy, uh, have that passion, you know, when you're, you know, talking about whatever it is that you're talking about. Uh, some people find it more useful to actually stand because you generate a lot more energy standing if you are unable to do so uh, sitting. Ensure when you're sitting, you're not leaning all the way backwards. You are actually a little bit uh, 30 degrees forward because that's your engagement position so that mm. you look like you're really engaged in the conversation. So that's some ways to um, counter the fact that, you know, it's a cool medium that you're dealing with through the camera. Uh, another thing is uh, ensure that the camera positions your best face, uh, which means you've got to make sure your camera's raised up. Uh, so many virtual meetings and virtual presentations I've attended, people are looking down into the laptop because the laptop's on the table and they're looking down into the laptop. So in the laptop, obviously, people are looking up onto their face. So that really isn't the most, uh, the best position uh, to have your camera. So make sure you it's all positioned well. Uh, and I think the last tip would really be smile. You know, I mentioned earlier that uh, somebody could be very smiley before the camera, the minute it's like, okay, three, two, one, start. They go, you know, and then you see their eyeballs flickering left and right, left and right, because they're so nervous. So smile, um, be natural, know yourself, know what your brand is. And, uh, you know, speak naturally. Um, for those people who are reading off scripts, uh, if you can, don't, uh, don't write it word for word verbatim. Uh, have pointers in front of you. I mean, internalize your message. Know what it is mm. you're talking about. And of course, include lots and lots of stories. The best messages are always really about stories, you know, hearing uh, your experiences, your personal experiences, bringing in examples and bringing in anecdotes. Uh, that really is uh, the way to not just engage, but the way to make sure whatever you have to say uh, is remembered uh, by people that you're talking to. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, you know, uh, Sharon. And again, great messages, great tips. You gave more than three. That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Everybody loves freebies. So um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are moving on to the last segment of our uh, little podcast here. And that would be the Epic Questionnaire. So what we do is that every uh, with every guest at the end of the show, we always do a quick rapid fire session with our guests. And uh, it's just a session with 10 questions. So, uh, first answer that pops, them, uh, pops into your mind, feel free to just answer accordingly. So, 
Ms. Sharon Tong, are you ready for the epic oh, questionnaire? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Sharon Tong and the epic questionnaire. Question number one, one word that you love the most. Oh God, it's so hard. <laughs> Why are your questions so difficult? One okay. word. Oh, I that thought I, I thought that most. was I thought that was what you were saying. Oh God, no. it's so hard. So I'm starting to go elsewhere. I'm so sorry. No, that's a phrase. Uh, one word I love the most is passion. Passion. One word that you dislike the most. Basically, because oh, it oh. is a completely. What does it mean? You know, a lot of people pepper their 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 phrase their communication with basically. Uh, I believe that this isn't. Why do you need it? It is completely irrelevant. So I don't like basically. Oh, I thought you were because uh, I thought it was because you were thinking that people are butchering the language again, saying basically. Oh, oh yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, that too, huh? Okay, so question three: uh, avoiding any uh, lawsuits. If you could have a conversation with one person, fictional, non-fictional, dead or alive, who would that be? Hmm. Um, I would love to speak to my grandfather. Mm. Uh, never met him. I never met either of them, actually. But this would be my maternal grandfather because I think he had a quite an interesting life. Uh, and he used to own a bank. Uh, and like I said, um, stories from my mother uh, told about him were really quite interesting. So uh, I would have certain questions for him. So I, I would love to have, to have a conversation with him. Your grandfather owned a bank. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Well, all right, cool. <laughs> that, that's, that's one hell of a story, yeah? So yeah, what do exactly. you say to yourself in the mirror every morning? Be brave. That's Be brave. easy. Be brave. Name uh, one superpower that you'd like to have. Invisibility. So I can, you know, eavesdrop on everybody's conversation without them being. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite dish to eat? <sighs> Truffle fries, actually. It, it's something that Suzanne and I share. Suzanne Jung and I, every, everywhere we go, it's truffle fries. It's just so evil. It's so bad. But yeah, truffle fries. Very interesting. Now, favorite travel spot or the next travel spot you like to go to when borders open? Oh, up? there's so many. It's so hard to say it's favorite. Uh, Greece, uh, Hawaii, both of which were recent uh, holiday destinations before uh, COVID-19 hit. Uh, I would, uh, London uh, is uh, another favorite. So I, I, it's very hard for me to pick. Um, uh, where I would love to go next would be Spain. Uh, not because I haven't been there, uh, but because I am currently learning Spanish. So I'd like to Ooh. have people to practice it with. Well, you could try on Clubhouse. Get on Clubhouse and see whether or not anybody's uh, speaking Spanish there and you can just try. <laughs> okay. Could, yeah, Clubhouse or really? Fireside. I, I think they would have channels and all that to, to do that. Oh, okay. Spanish channels. Yeah, you could just try it even from Singapore. I could try. Yeah, yeah okay. there, there are some in Korean and all that. So people who are studying Korean can, can actually practice. Oh. Cool. Yeah. I'll try that because you know sometimes I speak to my family and they go, "Huh?" <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I need that. All right, and something in the arts that you've always wanted to do but yet to do so. Um, acting actually. Uh, when I was in school, I was in a lot of. Uh, I was actually uh, in a lot of plays, uh, not as 
uh, on stage, but a lot of uh, backstage. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, a funny story. Uh, I grew up as a very incredibly shy child, um, very immensely shy. Uh, so now I am uh, here sitting in front of you being a, a person who teaches people to do public speaking as well and to stand up and uh, present to a massive room of pe full of people or on camera. Um, so I, I believe, you know, it, it's a good thing because it doesn't come naturally to me. So I've had to uh, get out of my own skin uh, and learn it on my own. And so I am able to share uh, how I overcame that that kind of intense shyness to be able to do what I do today. What does retirement look like to you? Um, living uh, wherever my kids end up, you know, in the world, um, running a farm uh, and running a food truck that's on the farm. Uh, actually, a food truck is what I, I, I would love to do because, uh, you know, why not restaurant? Because I don't want to have to open if I don't want to open. Uh, I want to be able to drive wherever I want to drive mm. and uh, cook whatever I want to cook on whatever I feel like and not have to cook the same thing every day. And so that would be my dream retirement. And last question. How do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? Um, how I want to be remembered? Uh as a gutsy uh, but kind, um, loving mother and wife, uh, that would be how I want to be remembered. Um, yeah, uh, gutsy because uh, I think um, this core in communication is really, you know, you ask me what was my favorite, what I say to myself in the mirror, be brave. Uh, and, and I shared the story of the fact that I, you know, my base personality is probably one who is incredibly shy. So uh, I tell myself to be brave each and every time because uh, that's what I need, uh, you know, in order to do what I do. Um, and of course, you know, how I do it, a little tiny uh, tip is I say yes to anybody who asks me to do something I'm not comfortable with. I say yes before my brain has a, a chance to kick in and say no. I say yes. So after I've said yes, I, of course, then I have no choice. I have to make it work. So then that's when I work really hard to make sure I make it work. And that's how I've overcome, uh, you know, this, this discomfort. And as the Greeks say, you burn the boats. And uh, thank you for you know accepting to be on this podcast. Uh, it, I can understand that it was probably something that was uncomfortable as well, and that's why you. Took it up. Thank you. <laughs> totally, so. <laughs> totally. Thanks, Patrick. You know, no, it's fun actually. You know, incredibly fun. All right, thank you so much for that. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Sharon Tong with the Epic Podcast. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in. Like, comment, and subscribe to Epic Podcasting, also our channel. We are also available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts as well, if, for, if you prefer the audio version. And with that, that is the end of this week's episode. So remember to check out uh, Sharon and the rest of the team at The Media Consultants. Uh, go down to themediaconsultants.com.sg for more information. With that, thank you. We're tuning off or tuning out, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yeah. Bye.